you're not in the millions and you don't, you know, you're not going to go out in public and get bombarded. Maybe if you go to Comic-Con, you will, <laughs> uh, you know, you're not just going to walk in the grocery store and be like, somebody's going to be like, oh, you're the comic book guy. Like that's, that's harder to do. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we have an episode that you cannot afford to miss. We are interviewing the original social media influencer. According to Forbes, this guy, Brandon Hampton, was the very first social media influencer in the game. He has been doing this since the chat room days of AOL, okay? He knows the game. He knows how to work it. He's been able to grow a massive, massive social media audience across many different accounts. His personal accounts are at money and at C. CEO on Instagram and Twitter. So as you can tell, this guy definitely got to the party a little bit early. So if you're interested in growing your own social media audience, building your presence online, and really just turning that into a business that you can scale into so many different avenues, this is going to be a very valuable episode for you. Brandon is a very sharp guy. He really knows what he's talking about when it comes to social media, and he's been doing this for a very long time. So without further ado, we're going to welcome Brandon Hampton on to Young Smart Money. Brandon, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here today and for you to share some wisdom with our listeners. So for those of our listeners that are not familiar with what you do, could you give us a brief like 30-second intro as to what Brandon Hampton is up to right now? And then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into your story. 30 seconds, man. Um, just right you, now, just right I'll now, start, what are you doing? I'll start, <laughs> I'll, st- I'll start with this uh, funny thing. So my wife, who I've been with for, you know, 13 years, uh, will call me every once in a while on speakerphone and she'll say, hey, I'm with this person I just met. Tell them what you do because she has no <laughs> idea how to explain it. Um, so at the core, uh, I was the first uh, social media influencer. I started doing social media about, 11 years ago. Um, We have a social media agency. We work with about 500 different influencers. We work with some major brands. Uh, We're sort of in the relationship business more so than we are any agency business. We do live events. We're in the cannabis space. um, And we have a venture arm where, you know, the same thing that we do for our clients, we do for ourselves on our own brands. So you're doing a couple different things right now. A few. (laughs) amazing well one of the main things that i want to focus on with this episode in particular is the social media side of things because like you said um you were according to forbes the first social media influencer which i think is is a huge deal so can you share with our listeners how you first got involved with social media like what was the first social media you were on and why did you decide to take that on so I mean, the first social media site that I was really on was like AOL, right? Um, if you want to date it back that far, uh, you know, it's chat rooms, yeah. chat rooms and instant messaging was kind of early social media. Um, I started doing that when I was 11. So wow. I've been, you know, I've been sitting on computers doing cool shit like that for a very long time. Um, and then, uh, you know, when we talk about social media as we know it today, I was at the MySpace launch party or like one of them. <laughs> Uh, the early MySpace events. I was one of the first like 15,000 users. Um, And uh, then, you know, when I started doing what I do as more of uh, from a business standpoint, instead of just personal. Yeah. uh, 2008, I started on Twitter and I got involved, you know, right, right after it started for the most part. 
And really the way that it started, I, I just wanted more followers than everybody else. It didn't, <laughs> didn't really ring in, ring true to be a business venture at that time because nobody was really making money on social media or with social media. There was no such thing as an influencer. You know, the idea of following somebody foreign that was a stranger was kind of weird still. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I went out and I built about 100,000 followers. It took me a little over a year on my personal page. And then what I started doing is building other pages around topics. So almost like a magazine would, I started mm -hmm. like a fitness page and then I started a skincare page and then a beauty page and a quote and dating page. And I just started building out all of these verticals and then um, eventually moved over to Instagram, was one of the first to transition there and then built up a network collectively of over 36 million followers at the highest point. Wow. So there's a lot of things that I want to dive into there. The first of which, though, is I, I understand the motivation to gain followers. And that's something that a lot of people are, are caught up in right now. But, but flashing back to like the AOL days, what was your motivation to get started there? And why did you choose to like pursue this platform um, when there really weren't really any vanity metrics there and it was really just a way to connect with people? Uh, well, you, you answered the uh, question <laughs> in your question. Um, it, was, it was a way to connect with people. Um, I think that this is, you know, pre-text message. This is like call my house phone and sit on the phone for four hours every night with your friends, mm -hmm. uh, during that time. So the concept of being able to pull up something on a screen, be able to type something out on your keyboard and then your friend gets it instantly. That was very early. Um, and, and, and nobody really understood it at the time, but it would shape, you know, text messaging and WhatsApp and Facebook messenger and all these other messaging platforms. Um, they all, they all kind of copied the AOL model. You know, there was ICQ and, you know, some of these other different softwares that you could use, but AOL and some messenger was the first iteration. And I was just really, uh, I, I was one attracted to the technology, but two attracted to the ability to connect with lots of people at once. And sometimes even people that I didn't know. Hmm. Are you somebody that knows a lot about like the back end of, of technology? Or are you somebody who focuses more on like the relationship side of things? Um, I, I understand both. Um, okay. So when I, when I got my first computer, prior to getting my first computer, you know, after I begged my grandparents that I needed it for homework, when I really just wanted to play around on computers and, and, and just learn about them, um, I would always listen to them talk about, you know, whose house they were going to. And I knew which of their friends or which of our family members had computers. And if they had a computer, I wanted to go. And if they didn't, then I didn't. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, fast forward a year after getting a computer, I have a, a CD burner before they came out on the market. And I was able to, you know, start my own little business there when I was about 13 selling CDs. And um, I, was, I was taking my computer completely apart and then rebuilding it or I was upgrading it or overclocking it. So I had a fascination with both the software side and the hardware side, and I wanted to understand both. So growing up, I was the guy who, if you had a computer problem or you needed to install your printer, or if you needed a resume built, or if you needed the internet installed, like I was the guy who did all of that for everybody that knew me. Wow. You seem like somebody who's kind of like a chronic early adopter. Like as soon as something comes out, you, you want to be all over it. And has that been something that's been a struggle for you? Like how do you find a balance between being on top of all these new early social media platforms, learning about all this new technology, and then not getting overwhelmed by all the new things that you could be looking at? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always going to be overwhelming. But 
I, I always say like, I'm good busy, not bad busy. Hmm. Um, because being busy is, is it means you're capitalizing on opportunities, or at least you have the benefit of being able to potentially review all of these opportunities. It's better than, you know, the, the opposite of that, which is I have nothing to do and I have no opportunities. Okay. Um, so the way that I balance my time is I try to look at what's happening now. And then I try to analyze where are things going. And I think I've, I've done a, a fair job at that. You know, sometimes I would sit on w- whether it was a trend or whether it was uh, a direction that something was headed. Sometimes I'll sit on those a little bit too long. You can't, you know, you can't run perfect per se, but I, you know, I got into social early. I went platform to platform before anybody else did yeah. and kind of migrated that way. Um, you know, even with things like cryptocurrency, like I got into cryptocurrency in 2013 wow. and, and 14 and, and then it really hit hard kind of mass market 2017. So, you know, I, I try to stay on top of all these things that come out and it's really hard because there's so many, you know, apps and so many social networks and there's so many different things trying to grab your attention. You don't really know, you know, Snapchat is going to be Snapchat until sometimes it's already, you know, as big as it, as it is now. <laughs> Um, so it's really just, you know, I I try to divide up my attention where I feel that it balances out with what's popular today, but it also gives me a little bit of taste of, um, I have to have that kind of future forward thinking mentality is like things are the way they are today, but tomorrow, if it's different, what's next. Mm, So you're not getting overly attached to like one single like platform or area. Well, you can't, the the only thing that's inevitable is change. It's like people get really upset when the algorithm changed for Instagram or Twitter or when Facebook starts cutting your reach and they want you to pay for views. Like people get upset at that and you can either get upset at that, which doesn't change anything, or you can embrace the new change and say, okay, the way the algorithm is today in the current update, I'm going to be the first one to figure out how to game it or how to beat it. And I'm going to be the reason they change it again, because that's mm-hmm. always been, that's always been one of, one of my goals is like, I want them to change the algorithm because by the time that, they're so frustrated with the way that it's working now. That means everybody's game the system. But if I can game it first, I can take advantage of, you know, for example, on Twitter, back in the day, they used to have what's called top tweets. So for every hashtag, they would feature three tweets with that hashtag. If you rule the hashtags and you rule the top tweets, what happens is, is you get this worldwide exposure to your accounts for free. So as always coming up, always, always coming up with the most um, compelling or funny or witty tweets for each of the most popular trending topics. And then I would parlay that attention into getting more followers and more attention. And, you know, even on twitter.com, you would go to log in on the homepage, they would feature the most popular tweets of the day. And I mean, at one point for like a year, me and my accounts and the network of people that I work with owned over half of that real estate for a good portion of 12 or 18 months. Wow. That's massive. That's, that's really significant. So, yeah. so your main focus is really just like, all right, here's the game that I have to play. How can I find the best way to win within that game? And then as soon as it changes, you're just like, what's next? Yeah. I mean, because for, for two reasons, like I don't mm-hmm. want to go out and, and figure out a cold plan on how to attack something. What I want to do is I want to say, okay, how does this platform or how does this technology or how does this even, you know, even clients, how does this client um, measure their success. What is, what is, you know, if, if, if I were to ask them, what is, what is this campaign that we're going to run for you? What does it worked mean? 
Uh, mm. Did you get more followers? Did you get sales? Did you get brand awareness? Did you get PR? We figure out what those things are at the end. And then what we do is we reverse the entire process around that. So let's say you, we have a client with a new product and they say, um, you know, we want to get them a lot of followers and they actually want revenue or vice versa. They could say, well, we, we just want top of funnel traffic. We want to build our followers on social. And um, I go out and get them sales and they're like, our followers didn't grow. We're going to be mm. very misaligned. So what I like to do is I like to figure out what's the result and then game the entire process to achieve that result at, you know, a, a higher probability. Mm, 100%. Because I mean, if you don't know what their objective is, then, then you're just shooting blind. Like you don't, you don't know what you're trying to do. So, yeah. And, and a lot of things can be like that too. Like you, you, you have a Twitter account. What's your goal? Well, what's the end result? Do I want more followers? Do I want a small audience, but very engaged? Do I want anybody to follow me? Um, do I want to push people to my website? Do I want to get email traffic? Do I want people to download my app or listen to my podcast? There's all these different things. And if you don't, you know, I, I, I don't want to be cliche around it, but it's kind of like, how are you going to get where you're going if you haven't chose the destination? Mm, 100%, 100%. So when you're pursuing new platforms, is that a big focus for you? Like, okay, what's my goal with this platform? Like, what's my goal with this new step here? Um, and what does that process basically look like for you when you're evaluating a new opportunity before you actually dive into it? Yeah, so... It, you know, let, let's say that something like, um, uh, we'll take an existing example that we can apply it to. Sure. So let's say Instagram was new okay. and we wanted to figure out what's the game plan with this. Well, uh, it seems really, really good to post photos on text mm -hmm. posts are not allowed. Uh, video seems to get significantly higher engagement. Instagram is really pushing IG stories and they're pushing even, even harder IGTV. So it seems like we should probably create some IGTV content because if you make the platform happy, they're probably going to give you, you know, brownie points in the algorithm and you're going to reach more people. Well, what does Instagram really do? Well, if you drive Instagram story, you can call to an action for a swipe up so you can push traffic. You can get your brand out there because you can place your, yourself or your influencers or celebrities or other people in your network with the product and get people to see it and get eyeballs on it. You can't put a link in the caption, but you can tag usernames in the caption. So you just have to figure out what are all the components? Like what, what are the ingredients that I have? And then that gives you your recipe. And then at the end of the, at the end of the tunnel, the light is how can we most effectively use each platform? You know, and then if the conversation is different, it's like Instagram, uh, Instagram is one thing, but if, if you wanted a strategy for YouTube, it's different there. It's a lot of, you know, keywords and like really how you set up your content more than it is sometimes the content itself, because if you can get people to click on it, you get the view. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really just, it's gaming the system. And it's like, what are people searching for right now that there's not too much content on that's relevant today? And if you mm -hmm. can create a piece of content for something that happened five minutes ago, and you're one of the first to do it, you're going to get indexed really high. And when people search for that, you know, whether it was a tragic death or whether it was some sort of, you know, sports related thing or a celebrity news, or it was an opinion about, you know, some new food science that came out, whatever it is, if you're one of the first people to create, that's why I like, you know, the, the old adage of like, sometimes it's not being better at being first or, mm. um, that, that really holds true when you're putting out content because pop culture content stuff that just, you know, immediately happened or is happening now. If you put something out about that, your engagement will be 
multiples and multiples higher than if something is not relevant. So again, it's just about gaming the abilities and strong points of each platform and then figuring out how to best utilize those for your end goal. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. One thing that you talk about a lot and, and it's something that I'm very interested in myself is the concept of a micro influencer. So can you fill our audience in on what a micro influencer is? And then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that topic. Yeah. So micro influencer is somebody who has a smaller but higher engaged audience about a very, very specific topic. So if you collect comic books and you have 21,000 followers, you're not in the millions and you don't, you know, you're not going to go out in public and get bombarded. Maybe if you go to Comic-Con, you will, <laughs> uh, you know, you're not just going to walk in the grocery store and be like, somebody's gonna be like, Oh, you're the comic book guy. Like that's, that's harder to do. But as a micro influencer, it's not important for millions and millions of people to know who you are because if you're known for this one specific thing and all 21,000 or 24,000 people that follow you are, are very passionate about that subject. Uh, there, there's a, there's a video that, you know, I think everybody should watch whether they're building a company or their own personal brand. It's just called, um, a thousand true fans, I believe mm. is the name. I don't, I don't remember who it's by, but, um, and, and it talks about in any category, whether you're an author or a speaker or you're, you know, a celebrity or an influencer, if you have a thousand true diehard fans, you can do the math on almost anything. And it backs out to say that you can earn a comfortable living with a thousand true fans. So I put out a t-shirt, cost 20 bucks, and uh, all thousand of my fans buy it. My you know, shirt actually cost me 10. So I, I net $10 in sales or uh, $10,000 in sales. You, you made 10 grand on selling a t-shirt to each of your super fans. You have, if you're a comedian and you charge you know, 30 bucks for a show, super fans show up, you made 30 grand. Like, if you can learn how to win over only a thousand people, anything beyond that makes you infinitely more powerful, infinitely more influential, infinitely more profitable uh, as a business, as a personal brand, or even with the company. But, you know, even if you're a sandwich shop and you have one location and you're on the street corner, if you have a thousand fans that go there once a week, you have a real business. So I think people get too concerned with the vanity metrics. And it's like, if you're a sandwich shop and you're in, Boise, Idaho, <laughs> what do you need a million followers for? What if they're from India and New York and Florida and California? That doesn't do you any good. Yeah. But if you have only a thousand followers and all of them like all of your photos and all of them comment and all of them go buy a sandwich a week, you're in business and you're doing better than the next person with a million followers scattered all over the place that have no common interest. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what can influencers be doing if they want to build that really strong loyalty in a smaller audience instead of trying to spread themselves extremely wide? What are some good strategies for that? Yeah, so, so wide is, is the mistake and it's really just buttoning down who are you, who's your target audience, and then defining yourself. So the example that I've, I've commonly used is if you're a personal trainer, Saying you're a personal trainer puts you in the bucket with all of the other personal trainers. But if you say like, you're a personal trainer to CEOs, mm. now what happens is, who do you have the attention of? CEOs, business owners, uh, what can you do? You can charge more because you're, you're dealing with the boss. Mm -hmm. um, you elevate yourself and, and, and you give yourself a little bit more prestige because you only deal with CEOs. Um, what else could you be? You could be a personal trainer that deals with, you know, moms with multiple kids who want to figure out, you know, 
ways that they can get their old body back. Like you, if you have to have a specialty, so, um, you know, you, you can almost think of anything. It's like, Oh, I'm a mechanic. You're a mechanic. Great. You, you fix cars on YouTube, but being a mechanic who fixes old Ford vehicles is inherently more powerful because now you have your specialty and it's easier to go find your thousand true fans of people who are diehard Ford. Mm. So what really what it is, is, you know, if you can go three levels deep, that's, that's yep. very, 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 um, specific. You're going to have less fans, but you're going to be more influential in that space if you can put a dent in it. But if you can at least go two layers deep, nobody should ever be, you, you, nobody should ever have the one line introduction of what they do. They shouldn't be, um, they shouldn't just be the personal trainer. They shouldn't just be the mechanic. You shouldn't be any, whether you own the business or whether you work for the company, you always have to figure out what is your very specific title that's at least two layers deep. A hundred percent. That three layers deep exercise is very, very valuable for anybody. I think if you're trying to look for a niche and if you're trying to really carve out a space for yourself, I think it's really, really important to go, like you said, two, if not three layers deep, just to, to really, because you really want to speak their language, right? Like you really want to be able to speak the language of the people you're trying to resonate with. Um, because if you try to talk to everybody, it's going to be really tough for you to reach those, those people in particular. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, it's, if you look at other companies, how they market, you know, same brand might even market different in different areas. I mean, you can go to one part of town and then the sign conveys one message and you go to a different part of town and it conveys a completely different message. And the brands are smart because they do that. But when you're especially developing, like everybody should have a personality brand, whether you're, whether you work for somebody else or not, this is the day and age where it's so easy to have a presence. And Maybe you work as a customer service rep for a living and that's your job, but what you do on the side could be that comic book or that video game player or that something. And you just have to figure out to a very precise manner and voice who exactly you are and what you're about. And again, you can go be a customer service rep or do whatever you need to do to earn a living, but while you're building your personal brand, make sure that that's specific so you can figure out how to get a thousand diehard fans for your category. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it, it's not as motivating if you're focused on those vanity metrics at first, but over time, like you said, if you're able to really get those dedicated fans, you, you can really do so much with that. And you can really make a, a, a livable wage for yourself with only a thousand true fans. So I think that's really important that you hit on that. One thing that I'm really curious about is your, um, your Instagram at and your Twitter at, um, and, and, and those are at money and at CEO. And I'm curious as to if you just got those because you were there to the party early or if you bought yeah. those or what, what's the story behind both those? Uh, I bought them actually. Really? Um, so somebody had, you know, two separate people had the usernames and, and, you know, they weren't using them and I offered to buy them and I negotiated a good price. Um, but, you know, some of the handles that I have, I got very early. Some of the handles that I have, I ended up buying from people almost like you would a domain name. Yeah. Um, there's not really a, a methodical marketplace type approach that, that you can with a domain name where you kind of legally transfer um, this intellectual property over. But I kind of did it, you know, underground on the streets way, just converted my old username to these new ones. And I just thought that they were cool. I thought it caught attention. And uh, 
you know, like, like from a, from a perspective of like working with influencers or working with celebrities, building brands. Um, I always joke like, you know, with the Instagram handle at money, I'm like, I'm the guy, you know, I'm the guy who does right by your money if I spend it for you. And I'm the guy who brings checks to you. if You're an influencer or celebrity or whatever else. So, um, wow. I just want that. I want that name to show up when I call. That's interesting. Like That's very interesting. <laughs> So when did you decide to buy those and, and what, like, was it really just because you had the business and you were like, this will be a good tool for me to leverage? I mean, I just think that they're two of the coolest usernames. I mean, just if I wasn't in this business, I would have still got the names. I just think that they're super cool. Do you think it's really important for people who are just starting off trying to build a personal brand to have a recognizable or a short or clean username or how important do you think that factors in? Not at all. Your content is what's most important. Um, I mean, if you're, um, you know, Apple seven, seven, two, three, 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 two underscore, and that's <laughs> your name, but you have badass content, then people don't really care. And it's the same thing as like a domain a domains, not as important these days because people aren't typing it in anymore. They're swiping up. So you could have the crazy, most atrocious <laughs> domain name, but somebody that never has to type it in, they just swipe up or they're clicking on a link in somebody's bio from Instagram. Usually mm -hmm most like people are clicking from link to link. They're not typing it in anymore. So from a branding perspective, like if you're going to go out and raise VC money and you know, you want to exit your company for a billion bucks, you know, maybe you want to probably have uh, the domain name that's attached to it, but it's far less important today than it was many years ago. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's really just icing on the cake at that point. It's, it's not what, what the primary focus of oh, what you should be doing should be. For sure. Um, Brandon, you've been dropping a lot of value on our listeners so far. I want to hop into some of the questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Are you feeling ready for them? Let's do it. Awesome. The first of which is what are you excited about right now? This can be something in your business, something in the wider realm of entrepreneurship, of just emerging trends. Like what's something that you are genuinely excited about right now? Um, I, I think that all of the regulatory stuff that's happening um, with cannabis and CBD, um, you know, it's very exciting to see because big pharma has obviously been trying to push this away for a very long time, but the, you know, at the federal level, they're reacting fast at the state level, they're reacting fast. And I also think that there's other things that are going to follow this that are not related to cannabis, but you know, just some other things that I think it's important for them to be regulated and legalized in all 50 States. And at the federal level is like sports betting, um, poker, you know, some of these other things that it's just like, you know, you can't play cards with your buddies if you live in California. Like, it's so stupid. Um, <laughs> so I just think that um, when you talk about, like, alcohol prohibition and you have all these different things that happened over the span of, like, 50 years, I just think that our our uh, time scale is on, like, 100x right now with technology and the way that information travels. So mm. I think that things like, you know, cannabis legalization in, in all 50 states and at the federal level and being able to ship CBD worldwide. I just think that those things are going to happen a hundred times faster than they did or than they would have rather 50, 60 years ago. Mm, hundred percent, hundred percent with you on that. Yeah. Things are moving a lot faster now. Um, and yeah, especially in the cannabis industry for sure. The next thing I'm curious about is what habits do you have that have served you most in your life? These can be lifestyle related, business related, just things you do on a routine basis that have helped you level up. Uh, two things that come to mind is um, w one thing is that I am very prompt when it comes time to pay people. And mm. that's a small thing and it almost seems obvious, but you'd be surprised how slow people are to pay invoices, how uh, much people drag their feet. Even some people don't want to pay. 
um, and they refuse to pay for stuff that, you know, things have already been rendered for. Yeah. The one thing that we really pride ourselves on is like, we don't want people to be in the debt collection business. Mm. We want to pay people immediately. We want to pay people quickly. Um, and, and I've always kind of used that rule. Um, and I think that that gets you really far because it, it helps people trust you. Like you should be trusted and there shouldn't be any instances where people have these crazy stories about you owing them money or, um, you know, anything like that, because it goes towards your character. Um, another thing I think is, uh, persistence. And I think controlled persistence is very important. People are busy. And when I was, you know, I did sales for about 10 years and the most important trait that I had is persistence. I was really good at follow-up. I'm really good at touching base. I'm really good at, you know, reaching out and seeing has anything changed. And I think that that mentality, you know, like I get busy all the time and, and sometimes I'll forget to respond to somebody or I'll leave an email unattended and, and, and people were like, oh, you know, two weeks later, hey, I wanted to reach out. I didn't want to bug you. And I'm like, no, no, it's not bugging me. What you have to realize is that everybody's attention span is so short mm. that if somebody's supposed to get back to you on Friday and you don't hear from them by Tuesday, like it's okay to send an email. It's okay to send a text message. And I, in fact, most people, when I reach out of, and by the way, these are situations where other people would move on and be, that's a dead deal. Those people aren't interested. This person doesn't want to hear from me. I'm bugging them. I think that most of the time I get the most positive reactions and be like, Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot to get back to you. Or, or, you know, Oh my God, I was traveling and I'm sorry I got caught up and I've been backlogged. Thank you for reaching out. It reminded me and put it at the top of my list. So I think that uh, in business and even in personal, like you're supposed to do lunch with a friend and you guys haven't connected, like be the one to follow up. You're 90% of the time, you're not bugging somebody. You're just sending them a reminder because there's so many constant distractions that are happening with technology and and people just going about their lives. So I think that follow up and being persistent with things is like a very important trait and takes a, you know, a little bit thicker skin, but if you can develop that and make it like, you know, non-aggressive, then I think people really respect that. A hundred percent. And I find it really easy to get caught up in like the worst case scenario of like, oh, this person's going to think I'm clingy or that I'm just bugging them. And, and in reality, like you said, like 90% of the time, they, they just slipped their mind. They got caught up with something else and, and they forgot about it. So, so just, just thinking about odds are you're not going to seem like you're just spamming this person if it's been sure. more than like a couple days since you first contacted them. So I think it's yep. important to hit on. The next thing I'm curious about is what content, if any, are you consuming right now? So you're reading any books, uh, watching any YouTube channels, uh, listening to any podcasts, or, or what is that looking like for you? Yeah, so um, Joe Rogan has had some really good guests on lately. Um, mm. So I've been, you know, his completion rate is insane. Um, I heard it's it's upper 90 percentile of, you know, even if it's multiple sessions, people are listening to 90 to 100 percent of his stuff. And, you know, he had Alex Jones on the other day and it was five hours. And, uh, you know, the, the two that I listened to before that were two hours and 20 minutes and two hours and 40 minutes. So that takes a lot of time, but I have to do it in kind of like doses. Mm. I'll do a 20 minute drive here and a 30 minute here. So <laughs> it's really good. Um, so I'm doing that. Um, I have uh, a couple books that I'm, I'm digging into right now. I'm, I'm, uh, let's see. The Way of the Superior Man, I believe, is uh, one that I'm that I'm rereading, and then there's one called um, Ooh, 
I'm, I'm not going to be able to think of it right now. It's going to slip no my worries. mind. Essen essentialism. Oh. Uh, and it's just about kind of decluttering and, and being able to focus and kind of cutting down. This is probably the majority of the book is about the 80-20 rule where it's just like mm -hmm. figuring out what things don't really matter, getting rid of them, and then focusing on the things that actually are impactful in your life. Mm, 100%. Do you listen on single speed or double speed of podcasts? Single. Really? Any yep. reason behind that? Um, I'm not in any hurry because if it takes me, you know, if it takes me 10 minutes, you know, 25 times to listen to an episode, I'm not mad about it. I'm not in any hurry. Okay. And I want to make sure that I digest the information because especially if it's a podcast, there's, I, I, I probably digest the information better if I'm listening to it and then also reading it or, um, you know, if I have multiple kind of shots at, at taking the information in. So if I'm going to listen to it, I want to be able to really digest what's happening. And sometimes I'll even pause it. So I definitely wouldn't want it on 2x because I feel like it's just twice the chance that I'm going to miss something good and get something out of it. I don't want to listen to it for the sake of listening. So does that make any sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And it's really about like, what is your objective when you're consuming this content? Like, what are you trying to get out of it? And then figuring out what's going to allow you to do that the best way. For sure. Uh, one thing that I'm really curious about as well with my guests is what things they do that don't scale. So to give you a quick example of what I'm talking about here, um, every day I'll pull up my phone and I'll send five to 10 video DMs to just random new followers each day, just being like, hey, what's up? My name's Apple. Um, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Have a wonderful day. Just like random stuff like that. Um, is there anything you can think of in your business right off the bat um, that has that personal brand and Hampton touch and isn't something that you like mass produce? Yeah. Uh, so our entire business is built on relationships and, mm -hmm. you know, same thing, except for it's the existing people that we deal with. Like I don't have, you know, we have a, we have a small staff, we have under, you know, a dozen people and, um, people, people want to talk to me and people want to talk to my partner mm -hmm. and the management of those relationships is not scalable and I can't throw yep. them into an email system or put them into an autoresponder. And it's just, our business is not the agency. Our business is not video production. Our, biz our business is not live events or creating brands. Our business is dealing with the people and then figuring out, you know, what creative ways there are to leverage our relationships and to help the people who we have relationships with. And, and we usually end up, you know, in those deals. So uh, that's definitely not scalable. I do something similar to you is I try to figure out what people that I think that I might be able to bring value to. And I hate, I hate saying that because it's so cliche, but when I say bring value, it's just I'll notice somebody's doing something, maybe they're not doing it to its full potential or they're not doing something um, that they should be doing. And I'll reach out. And, um, you know, a lot of those are athletes or artists or, you know, other similar people. And, um, it's not really scalable. I don't want somebody else to write those messages. I want them to be from me and um, doing face-to-face -face meetings. I mean, I'm a biz dev guy. I, I want to be in the meeting. I want to help move the deal along and my time is not scalable. So I just want to make sure that I use it in the most effective way as possible. And, but I, uh, for right now, anyways, scientifically, I can only be one of me in, in a room. Um, so <laughs> That's huge, man. Relationships are, are everything in my business as well. Like it, it's all about who you know and, and how deeply you've built that relationship and how much you've committed to it. That's, that's, that's been the biggest asset for me so far. Um, a hundred percent. Now, the last thing I want to ask you, Brandon, is where can people go if they want to find out more about you, what you're up to, if they've been enjoying the value you've been dropping on this episode, where can they go to follow up with you? 
Sure. So I'm money on Instagram. I'm CEO on Twitter. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I actually, I mean, I read all my DMS and sometimes I'm a little slow and sometimes I'll, I'll fall behind, but, uh, I do see all of my messages and I, uh, again, I try to engage with people. I try to I'm not try to automate it. I'm not trying to have somebody, uh, you know, executive assistant go out and respond to tweets on my behalf. Like I'm not trying to do any of that. I try to keep it, keep it real and, and raw. Um, so those are the two platforms that I, that I mainly use. And, our company is Elevator Studio. It's elevator.studio. We work with brands um, at the highest level. We work with influencers and celebrities. And, um, you know, we're just, we're good at what we do. We've been doing it for a long time. 100%. You're not a hard guy to find online, but I'll leave those links in the show notes if you guys can't find those yourselves. Last thing, Brandon, do you have any last words of wisdom that you want to share with the listeners of Young Smart Money today? Any last parting thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the biggest thing that that I want to stress and I've been talking a lot about lately is that most people fight this internal battle with themselves that they are not good enough or that they are not sufficient. And uh, I have a video about it on my page. And I, I, one of the quotes that I said in there is like, nobody's going to knock on your door one day and be like, hey, congratulations, you're an expert. <laughs> if you're really good at something, it doesn't matter if you went to school for it. You don't need any certification or paperwork to show it. And I'm not talking about like, hey, you watched heart surgery videos on YouTube, now go do heart <laughs> surgery. I'm talking about like if you're a badass chef or if you know how to play an instrument or you're really good at filming and editing videos, but you haven't had any proper schooling, like if you're good, you're good. Nobody cares these days. So if you have a valuable skill set, you need to embrace that. You need to accept that just because it's easy to you doesn't mean it's easy to other people. You're just very talented when it comes to that particular skill set. So you need to go out and you need to use your skill set, you need to monetize it, and you need to be willing and able to teach other people uh, so that you can maximize your value and, and you know, stop doubting yourself. Mm. Brandon, I'm sure that was exactly what somebody needed, needed to hear out there. I really do appreciate your time and choosing to spend it here on Young Smart Money. Um, it has been a pleasure chatting with you, man. Right on. All right. Thanks for your time, man. Absolutely. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this latest episode of Young Smart Money and got a ton of value out of it. If you did, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. It only takes about five seconds. If you're walking the dog, if you're going to the gym, pull that phone out of your pocket, press that subscribe button, and uh, drop us some love in the ratings and review sections as well. Those really do help the podcast get in front of even more people and helps us get even more amazing guests on the show. And I do read each and every one of your ratings, reviews, message that you send me. Uh, they, they really do impact me and the show and show me exactly what you want to be seeing here on Young Smart Money. So again, do not forget to drop us a rating, review, and subscribe over in iTunes. And guys, have a wonderful day. Take care. And I really do appreciate you choosing to spend your time here with us on Young Smart Money. Have a wonderful day. Real quick, just launched a new project called the Online Course Examiner. Basically the Yelp of online courses. It is blowing up lately. OnlineCourseExaminer.com. Check it out.